That was Francis Bennett, uh, former Trappist monk, and now uh, teaching courses on uh, his, I guess he focuses Phil on, he had an amazing experience of awakening. Uh, and yeah. what, I, what I was impressed with, he was very down to earth and he was um, not one of these folks that had all the answers to everything. I especially liked his answer about what do you think happens when people die? He goes, I don't know. I have my theories on it just like everybody else. Uh, so I appreciated the, uh, the honesty. And, and at the same time, uh, you know, he, this is a man that's had very profound experience and seems to have integrated it well into his life. Yeah, from my exposure to him, he's he's got a very sensible and um, grounded take on non-duality, and it's um, and I think it reflects his own experience because you know he he had a lot of difficulty. He said uh, integrating that profound realization that he had and. Uh, in, in struggling with that integration, probably came to realize, you know, there's a lot more ongoing evolution uh, than people uh, sometimes uh, describe when they talk about awakening as if it's the end of something, as opposed to, you know, mm -hmm. a new chapter, a new, new uh, phase of one's ongoing growth. Mm -hmm. I, I've always been very impressed with uh, the Trappist monks or former Trappist monks that I've encountered. Uh, I mean, years ago in the 70s, uh, I, I got to go to uh, spend some time at Spencer, St. Joseph's Abbey in Spencer, Massachusetts, and where Thomas Keating at, at, was at the time. And so was Basil Pennington, uh, Thomas Keating uh, and Basil Pennington, the gentlemen, along with others that, that formed Centering Prayer. I was teaching TM at the time and they were learning and it was, it was a great experience, but what, what I expected when I went to the monastery, and I grew up Catholic, was these guys sort of creeping around with, you know, very solemn looks on their face. And when I got there, I saw very happy, healthy, bright, uh, fun-loving people that, you know, spent a lot of time when you were talking to them, smiling and laughing, even though, you know, much of their life was in seclusion and, and quiet and contemplative prayer and group sort of chanting and whatnot. Um, they were very integrated. So whatever the formula they use for their lifestyle, which isn't appropriate to most people, but appropriate mm -hmm. for a few, uh, seems to be very effective. And, and it seemed from speaking to Francis, his experience as a Trappist monk served him well. He enjoyed it and, and uh, left uh, when he felt it was his time to go. And it seemed like the community was extremely supportive of, uh, of his decision to move on. Yeah. Um, well, if Thomas Merton and is any uh, example of a Trappist monk, then, you know, they've produced some pretty incredible people. Right. And, you know, I'm sure most of us, you know, we have limited or no exposure to places like a Trappist monastery, and we probably have a tendency to stereotype any Catholic clergy as you know all the same just as we do with you know swamis or roshis or rabbis mm -hmm. or imams or you know people in any tradition there's a, certainly a great deal of diversity there and um I, I i've had a similar experience as you meeting people who have come out of the trappist tradition so they obviously have their own 
way of doing things and in that um, deep contemplation come to places of realization that um, mirror those of other mystics, other contemplatives. Right, another Trappist monk, uh, that we're, a former Trappist monk that we interviewed, you might uh, suggest, we, I want to suggest to the listeners they might uh, listen to is uh, Jim Finley. Uh, yeah. Quite an interesting, quite an accomplished guy and uh, very insightful. Uh, on this uh, non-duality that um, you know, he was referring to, and, and uh, it's, which is a very popular concept these days, uh, and something I know, Phil, you're quite familiar with. Um, I'm wondering if that was ever part of that, that terminology of non-duality, or similar language was ever used in, in Christianity or Judaism or uh, you know, Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, yeah, because I certainly was never familiar with it uh, uh, when I was uh, uh, being educated as a Catholic uh, back as a, uh, a, a young boy and as a teenager. No, I think most um, Jews and Catholic, uh, Christians, probably most uh, Muslims as well, especially in the West, uh, it's a, those that would be not something that we were exposed to, certainly in our generation, um, but it, it's always been there. It may not have been called non-duality or non-dualism, but in the mystic traditions, that that sort of got um, shunted aside and buried and limited to places like Trappist monasteries or um, the, you know the the mm-hmm. esoteric uh, Jews who who might have gone deep into Kabbalah, um, but it's there. It's there. The sense of oneness that everything is God or everything is uh, pure being or light. That there's some singularity of which we're part, um, it's certainly there in the mystical revelations that, you know, in, in the direct experience of, of people. And it's now, it's a pretty wonderful thing that it's coming out of the closet and people are becoming exposed to um, teachings that were really limited to mm-hmm. uh, a very, very few Privileged, or you know, uh, uh, people in in um, monasteries, or uh, just lucky enough to to run across it. Right. Tell, tell our listeners, Phil, about that conference that's held every year. I believe in around October. Uh, the uh, in, in regard to non-duality, I think it's called Sand. Sci- science and non-duality. Yeah, the acronym. Well, is what's SAND. the focus there? When science and non-duality is it research? Uh, on uh, non-duality, or, or I've only attended once, but I you know, I try to keep in in touch with it. it. Was started several years ago, and it it really it's one of the rare um, efforts at um, creating an uh, an ongoing conference that has re- really succeeded. They they have bigger crowds every year, I think, and mm-hmm. and the idea was that contemporary science, you know, on the edges of, on the cutting edges of physics and consciousness research, uh, have a lot to inform the non-dual mystical teachings of all those spiritual traditions and vice versa. 
And so it was the brainchild uh, of, uh, what's his name, Maurizio Benazzi, mm-hmm. I'm getting the name wrong, to, to bring the scientific and spiritual communities together in these conferences. But I don't, they don't do research, I don't think, as um, an organization. They started out just sponsoring these conferences and bringing people together. Now maybe uh, there are researchers who come, mm-hmm. scientists um, and spiritual teachers both, and I'm sure there's a lot of collaborative effort that has come out of it. But um, and they may be, uh, When I was there, there were scientists uh, reporting from the sort of cutting edge of research um, and spiritual teachers teaching from their own perspectives and their own... Uh, the teachings they emphasize and were were trained in, um, and it's a very fruitful enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's easy to look up science and non-duality. Yeah, they can go Phil, to scienceandnonduality.com. I'm just looking at it now. The other thing I wanted to mention was that it seems more and more as we do our interviews that people that have uh, very deep awakenings or uh, insights into the nature of life, into this uh, the sense of non-duality. Uh, specific religion becomes less important and there's a, a more global perspective. That doesn't mean somebody doesn't uh, still enjoy their religious tradition, their devotional aspects of it, uh, but they frame it in a way that um, it's not, we got the answer here, these guys are way off. We, it's more, yeah, uh, uh, as, as Francis Bennett put it, he no longer saw Christ as the one and only uh, but part of a uh, uh, of other of, of of individuals over time that have uh, been deeply awakened and shared that with others, as, as my understanding goes. Yeah, I think um, one of the patterns we're seeing is that people who have these transformative experiences come out feeling uh, a spirit of uh, compassion and generosity, and they want to do something good in the world make a contribution that may lead them to service work or to teaching. And the other is this uh, awareness of the the, uh, essential teachings of all the mystical traditions leading to the same uh, Mm -hmm. ultimate conclusions and experiences, which is a kind of uh, ongoing verification of the insights of you know, people who articulated the perennial philosophy uh, and um, similar approaches mm-hmm. uh, that recognize the, the common <clears throat> a core of all the teachings. And uh, we need more of that in the world, don't yeah. we? Well, old folks leading to the same center. And on our show, Spirit Matters, we'd like to examine each and every spoke and how it gets to the center. I mean, I think that's what we're, we're, we're really about here. Contemporary yeah. spirituality, and there's so many uh, angles on it, and, and there are certain similarities, certain differences, and we would like to explore them all. And please uh, stay tuned, tell your friends about us, and uh, make any suggestions you'd like to make. Our, uh, find us at spiritmatterstalk.com or on iTunes or SoundCloud or uh, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. And uh, uh, yes, we'd like to share this with folks and also get people's feedback and hopefully. Uh, Uh, We will educate ourselves and continue to educate uh, our listeners. Okay, good. Till next time. Next time.